Greetings. You're listening to The Match Mary Mate Show, where Black women learn how to get their love lives together. Here I guide you on your dating and relationship journey, empower you with feminine presence, power, and charm, teach you how to navigate and negotiate your needs and desires with men. I'm your host, your girl, Joyce Robinson Myers. And welcome to another episode, Lovebugs. Remember, this season is titled Experiences, and we are journeying through various events on a dating, relationship, and marriage trajectory. This season, we're tapping into our solar plexus, which invites us to set intentions in the power of I do. It has been especially designed to help you unlock your personal power and build a stronger sense of self. With seven, we've already done one, and so we have six to go. Six more select stories I've curated for you. Last episode, episode 15, His Dating Pivot, leaned more into that stronger sense of self, asking you to consider how you connect with the other gender asking you to examine your dating and relationship motives and offering you some insight about the natural flow of a woman and a man. Did you like that show? Well, I hope so, because today you have me, yours truly, blessing you with an update on my latest research project now that my second year, first semester as a doc student has come to an end. You're listening to episode 16 of our regular season titled My Black Marriage Research. Yes, my show centers Black women, and I also share meaningful work for Black couples, partnered or married, and every blue moon I address the men, and I'm going to do that today too, but this show is for us all. Any member of the Black community can benefit from my research as I connect the links of education to economics to marital availability and also stability. Uh, But I connect those three in Black boys and men and examine that impact on Black women and children. This isn't my only body of research, but it's my most recent research project, and I want to share it with you today. For you to be able to keep up with me better, I designed an episode guide for you. So be sure to download it. Stay tuned at the end of the show for more details about our next episode. First, let's begin with the power of affirmation. We start every episode with an affirmation as a way to center self, listen to the body and honor our spirit. Ask yourself, how are you today? What moods, feelings, or emotions come up? Use that energy to speak life, wholeness, and healing over yourself using the power of your own voice. Speak it into existence with an I or I do. I do my best. I do right by my community. I do the necessary work for healing and wholeness. Welcome 
Today, we're going to learn a little bit about academic research as I situate myself in it for you to better understand my interests, expertise, and approach. Then I'll transition to my research update. My latest research project focused on three target areas for Black boys and men, but this show will be about only one, that first target area. I spent the semester writing a standard literature review, and this episode is about me sharing some of it with you. As I move along in the show, I'm going to call out the exact audience who I believe is wronged. It's actually not my belief. It's fact, historically. But I'm going to call out the audience who is wronged and the audience who could do better. As a community, we do not need to be offended, y'all. And I am going to talk to you nicely. Make sure you talk back nicely to me, too. And I'm going to do that even if I feel that you are the culprit. So receive your assignment if you care about doing things to advance your community and do the work. Also, I don't know everything. I only know what I know. If you know more than me or better than me in a particular area, just tell me. Let's be good to each other, okay? While I believe that America owes Black Americans, I could say that statement forever. While I believe that America owes Black Americans a great debt, and I'll state that for the record in any paper that I write, we just can't wait for that, y'all. More than not waiting, though, we can actually help ourselves. This is why I encourage you to receive your assignment and do your work. If America does right by us, and America, you should do right by us, so be it. Lord knows they need to run us our money. But until they do, or in the event that they never do, we must continue ahead for the sake of our community. Now, another thing they could do, they meaning America, is remove the barriers that disadvantages us, especially the ones that disadvantage Black boys and men. We can talk DEI, and that's diversity, equity, and inclusion, until we're blue in the face. But if barriers are not removed, most of those DEI efforts are moot for Black people. So I'm not interested in just talking about the problem, though we will do that, or even talking around the solution like how most DEI efforts do. From my position, we need to dismantle barriers that disadvantage Black people. And without that, we're talking in circles. My recommendation to my own people is to hear research Decide what side of it you want to be on and fill yourself with education. Hold conversations and then take action in a way that advances us. Y'all know I'm earning my PhD in this work to be in the best position to support my community. Also, studies show that with proper relationship education, we can produce smarter, safer, and happier romantic decisions. I'm going to also include romantic and familial decisions that improves the quality of our relationships as we match, marry, and mate. Because why, y'all? Black love matters, and we're in much need of some Black family restoration.
if you are interested in research on the livelihoods of Black men and women, or the state of Black marriage or Black family, or the gender relations about and between Black women and men, or how people form and develop relationships from dating to marriage and more, I'm your person. Academic research has many barriers, and I hope to at least knock down four of them by way of this podcast. So those four are accessibility, digestibility, politicalness, and anti-Blackness. Let me explain. Accessibility. Unless you're willing to pay to access top academic journals in the fields and industries you care about, you won't have them. And these are not cheap journals. Digestibility. Most academic research is full of jargon that a layperson would not be able to make sense of or follow, nor are the recommendations offered on a more micro level for people to make better or more informed decisions. Now, that's a little loaded. They're not supposed to be, right? Research is meant to attract leaders in the fields, uh, policymakers and movers and shakers type people. But we are studying people to understand how people behave. And so it would be nice if at least in part, some of the research is made available to common man, common woman, maybe even common child, so that they can make sense of why they behave the way they do and make certain changes to get different outcomes should they desire that. Politicalness. Everyone has an agenda, so it is pushed in research too. I do not have any issues with agendas per se. I like a good plan and signs of implementation and progress just the same. But what's frustrating is how people navigate only to push their ideas without thinking about its impact on other people or worse, without caring. I do not see helping families and restoring Black men as a political or even religious act because sometimes those two are in bed with each other. I see it as an act of humanity and for my own people, an act of culture. We should do good because it is right and not in the name of pushing agendas. Anywho, when you read academic research, sometimes so much political fluff is present that it's hard to keep focus of the topic of the paper. And last but not least, and where I have the largest soapbox, anti-Blackness. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of this phrase, but I cautiously use it here to describe the lack of Black presence and voice in academic research. Many times, when Black populations are researched, it's to study us to reveal deficits and pathologies. In fact, a new approach called strength-based had to be recommended to promote the study of Black populations from a positive lens. It's like researchers, well, many of them, like studying Black people if and when the outcomes will paint us negatively. I avoid the latter in most cases, and so I spend more of my time interested in the former, that lack of presence. Even some of my favorite researchers in the field are white men who have well-documented, respected, and effective work in their fields. In my coaching practice, assisting Black women and couples, 
I still have to translate that research to fit a Black audience. Whether I'm discussing birth order by Lehman, love languages by Chapman, nonviolent communication by Rosenberg, or bids for connection by John and Julie Gottman. Now, Julie is not a white man, but you get my point. I can never teach those topics and skills to Black women and couples as is. Then I have to examine the discussion and results sections, searching for what to toss out because, yeah, that's not going to work for Black people. Or overstudy research participants' responses to determine if it even has validity in the Black community. I'll give you an example. Chapman says there are five love languages and that we have a primary and secondary. Yes, there's numeric scoring for all five, but the emphasis is placed exactly where the researcher diverts our attention, those top two. It has value, no one's discrediting that. But if I were talking to a black woman, I would have her order them all to the level of importance and include situations where they may shift. We tend to view ourselves in a more well-rounded way, not wanting to discard possibilities that could be true, even if or when they are not mainly or always true. If you ask me my primary love language, I'll tell you acts of service. But I also know that the other four apply too, and I wouldn't want you to isolate them just because that one speaks to me the most. Because on my birthday, on June 2nd, no matter how much I enjoy someone doing something for me to lighten my load, I want a gift or an experience or some act of celebration that has less to do with service and more to do with doting on me. And that's usually a combo of affirmations, gifts, touch, and time. You all know how much I love birth order. I like Lehman's work in general, but I know it excludes Black people. Yes, there are things that I can automatically understand about you if you tell me you are firstborn. But if you are the firstborn daughter in a Black family, that has much more implications and nuances than just being firstborn. And not to mention if you're the first to mostly or only brothers. But Lehman does not know that because he did not study Black people. And he probably did not study Black people because he isn't Black. But I am, so I will. And there needs to be more in the research literature that speaks to the unique experiences of Black people. If you're rocking with me on those four main points, again, I'm your person. I cannot put licensed research articles in your hand, but I can share mine with you. And I can do that in a digestible, non-political, and Black-centered way. So this is why and how I'll be sharing with you. Now, I have other episodes that will speak to this idea in different pathways, social, religious, personal, communal. But when it comes to my research, except but to comment on things that fall in those buckets, as researchers and scholars bring it up. I try to keep the research, I don't think any research can be neutral, but I try to keep the research separate from my personal view. I might interject it to let you know more about me, but it's not impacting what the research says about what I'm talking about. And I also try to remove faith and religion, not because I don't have faith, 
And not because the Black people don't have faith, right? We're full of it. We're known for it. But to just speak to what is going on at a societal level, sometimes at a cultural level, and get you to see that first. Then you can add all the other identities back in. You are welcome to ask me any questions in general, but especially anything I say that you do not understand. This should not be over your head, and I don't want it to be. You should fully understand what I am presenting to you. And when you don't, raise your hand, like we in school, raise your hand, meet me in the comments, shoot me an email, visit me in Clubhouse, and I'll help you. If you want to discuss how to make research or research theories that interest you, relevant to your Black life or experience, I invite you to book a one-on-one awareness call with me by visiting matchmarymate.com. It can be birth order, love languages, bids, attachment styles, archetypes, or anything else you want to cover. The entire point of research is to study humans so we're more informed to make better decisions and create new interventions. If you cannot use research information to help yourself, I would argue that we did it wrong. So please raise your hand, help yourself, empower yourself, and then share with others. When it comes to research, when it comes to research, academics will usually share three to five broad topics that their research efforts lie in. It helps you gain a sense of their interest and expertise. Here are mine. I have five main topics. Education to economic pathways, and that specifically is how it impacts Black boys and men. Romantic relationship formation and development, specific to Black daters and couples. Relationship and marriage education, specific to Black women. Black marriage criteria, specific to Black women, though I do care what Black men have to say about it. And Black family structures and arrangements. Next, we also have what we call a line of research, an LOR. It's more specific than those broader topics I just mentioned, and it tells what you do and how you do it, including the areas of impact and the aim or the goal. Here's mine. My line of research connects the links between education, economics, and marital availability of Black boys and men and examines that impact on Black women and children. I explore education achievement gaps as debts owed to Black male students to improve their economic arm and increase their likelihood of Black marriage, family, and wealth, positively addressing personal and financial well-being, marital stability and satisfaction, and future outcomes of children. My research aims to discover restorative interventions for Black men and their future families and promote positive gender relations among Black women and men. These things are ever evolving. So this could be a little bit differently read by next year, but it will usually be similar to or have some relationship with what I just shared with you. So in doc school, one of your first products of learning is to write a standard literature review. To keep it simple, you scour the literature, mostly articles from academic journals and then other sources on your research topic. In your reading and examination, you develop your own ideas and insights so that you can analyze the data, make comparisons, draw conclusions, offer critiques, and answer your research questions. 
to make recommendations and more. You have to pose a problem, one worth solving. One of the questions that you are always asked is, why should I care? I hate that question, but I understood why it has to be asked. So it has to be a problem worth solving. Then you have to also explain the gap and offer a solution or at least recommendations for one. Now, research begins with questions. And one of the leading purposes of research is to generate new knowledge. My literature review starts with what the current research says, what is missing or the gap, while stating the problem and asking my questions. Much research has been produced on the relationship between educational attainment, economics, and marriage, including availability for marriage among Black boys and men. But less research has bridged those concepts together to understand how those educational achievement gaps, economic disparities, and marriage occurrences among Black men have been uniquely experienced and endured. Yeah, we need both because we have to include that historical backdrop to offer insights and ideas for interventions that specifically restore them. So that's what I'm interested in, the restoral of our community, and it's not gonna happen without the restoration of Black men. In fact, one researcher says, you're not gonna see too much transformation of economics and projecting out to marriage unless the economic reality of Black men specifically is transformed. You're going to hear me say later in this episode, this is a group project, but I feel it is necessary to say here too, this is a group project. And I feel like I need to say that directly to Black women because we have this hmm, energy sometimes about ourselves that, you know, we've made it, we've arrived, which is not fully true, but I understand the ways in which we tout that sometimes. And so we become a little dismissive of Black men. Now, Some of that is worthy. And we'll get into that later. See, this thing gets complicated. It's so layered. Back to the research. These inequities are vast, but include education and employment injustices that affect Black men's economic standing and financial well-being and healthy relationships with Black women and children. Now, that parallel between education and economic injustices against Black Americans wholly, but in my research, particularly Black male students, and its profound impact on Black men, the Black women who desire to marry them, and the Black children they can create is my focus. Now, in addition to that, the research literature is not lacking in describing the unique disparities of that Black men face or their negative impacts, but it is missing restorative and positive interventions. And this is where I come in. So my literature review asks two questions. The first, does previous research suggest that Black men's educational achievement gaps contribute to economic employment challenges affecting their marital availability? And number two, Among Black men, how have their educational achievement gaps, economic disparities, and marriage occurrences been uniquely experienced, endured, 
and impacted Black women and children in the literature? Now, I already know the answer to the first question because it's been my lived experience. It's been my observable experience of my community too. But in the academy, you have to ask a question to justify the research, even when you already know the answer. I know it can be silly. I also already know the answer to the second question, but I only knew it anecdotally. So obviously you take the research journey to be able to cite points of evidence and data to back up your point. Now, what do you all think about those two questions? Do you think that educational achievement gaps contribute to employment challenges? And do those affect marital availability, namely for Black women? What do you think? I know you have this lived experience, so you do not even need research here. But how do you think the unique experience of Black boys and then later Black men have impacted Black women and children? I asked some volunteers to read my full paper, all 27 pages, and they gave me specific reactions that resonated with them. I'll be sharing some of their commentary throughout the show, but one summative response was, this paper makes me want to get married. <laughs> and I told her, well, girl, if that's true, then I did my job. Now, I was only joking because I did not write the paper for that reason, but if the way that I laid out the research left a positive impression or impact on the reader about Black marriage, then I would call that a success. Then I introduced two models. The first calls the educational achievement, quote unquote, gaps of Black boys and Black students or Black male students as debts. And I really love this language because America, you owe us. So yes, a debt. And the other claims that due to racism and discrimination everywhere, but especially in school, there are a number of assets and capitals that are lost for Black children and remain as they enter adulthood and throughout their lifetimes. And so I really loved this financial language explaining our social situation. So I took two different models that are not connected at all, but I took them together and I connected them and analyzed them and used them as the backdrop for my literature review. So we have debts, assets, and we have capital. There's capital gains, there's capital losses. And I'm going to be explaining this across more than one episode, but as I go, you'll hear why it was important to situate financial terminology with our situation. So I won't bore you with all the details of the models, but it's important to note that I build them to incorporate events and activities in the workforce, romantic relationships, and marriage and family. And I all while offering culturally relevant insights, because you have to do that, and ideas to advocate for restorative policy and programming, which is the point of academic research, right? You have to point to that. Hey, this is the problem. Pay attention to this. Look at this. And here are some ways in which policy can be influenced, reformed, created, or programming in order to help solve it, soothe it, reduce it, etc. Now, in addition to that, I note the historical events because 
we have not forgot America. And recent research, because I have to do that as a scholar, it's an obligation. On school and education, employment and economics, and marriage and family in ways that uniquely relate to Black boys and men. I approach these two research questions in a three-pronged fashion. Y'all know I like my three-stranded cords. To promote the restoration of, and get this, this is important, the provision, pride, and presence of Black men. Because y'all know I love my alliteration too. (laughs) And I do this while I discuss and correspond the three types of debts they are owed. The first is the education and economic debt. And that's going to be the one I talk about today. And then the second is their REF wealth debt. REF is like REF, like how we abbreviate referee, but it is an acronym and it stands for relational, emotional, and financial. And then third, their marital and paternal debt. And I put marriage and the act of becoming a father together, not because they always go together, but it is when they do go together, it gives really, really great outcomes for children. Okay, Black men, I'm going to address you first. I'm calling you to the front. Historically, and even in some ways today, as I examined the literature, I noticed how systems and powers robbed you in those three areas, provision, pride, and presence. Of course, I didn't need to examine literature. It's been my lived experience, but you know, work with me. I got to be an academic too. Now, it's also true that you have aided in this being your reality to some degree. But historically, you got hit first. And so this is why I agree with the researcher. Her name is Latson Billings. When she calls the educational achievement gaps, debts. And I continue to borrow that language when it comes to your economic standing and how you show up for marriage and family, especially your own children. I want to affirm you and say you are owed, but I also want to add that just because you are owed does not mean that you do nothing or give your community a sloppy job. Okay, I'm done with you for now. Thanks for listening. Black mothers of sons calling you to the front, please, ma'ams, I want to address you. You know the history and you know the traps. But you have to raise your son or your sons to contribute meaningfully to society and his community. He has to be more than your son. You have to see him as more than your son. You have to raise him as a person who will be somebody more than just your son. This is not wholly your responsibility. I realize he has a daddy. But right now, you head more Black households than men do. And a number of you want it that way. So I am addressing you directly. Don't worry. I'm going to talk to Black fathers later. Ages 14 to 24 of your Black son's life is very tender. It is very important and very determinant. I need you to know that your Black male youth, they must launch And I'm not going to explain that in detail in this episode, but if you need to know more of what that means, please let me know. And to do that, they need their pride and their esteem, their confidence intact. 
You have to motivate, encourage, and instill aspiration, ambition, and drive while you support, not coddle. If you need a blueprint, please see Black Daughters. Choose any Black daughter you want, your own. A niece, a neighbor, a friend. They are full of stories about how their parents, largely their mothers, drove them to educational and career success with incessant messaging about grades, schools, colleges, and careers, and also incessant messaging about avoiding dating boys, getting pregnant. Yeah. Okay, I'm done with you. Thanks for listening. Black fathers, can you come to the front, please? Your sons need you. Your sons need you. Your sons need you. I just watched uh, an interview by Cam Newton, and I don't remember the name of the man he was interviewing right now, but it was painful. You could see the pain trapped in his body listening to him talk about the anger that ensues when a Black son does not have access to his Black daddy. And in this case, I'm not talking about a lack of access because his Black mama is tripping. But we'll touch on that in another episode. But I'm talking about because you don't show up. Because you can be wishy-washy or skittish even. Mm, Those kind. I need you to show up. Your sons need you the most, and that is research-based, not just my opinion. Now, show up for all your children, but not coming through for your son or your sons is the worst decision you can make, and it has the most damaging effect to our community. To go back to that interview, the man who was talking said, you know, he has a brother who's a little bit older than him. These are two Black boys. And he's saying, I think he was eight, his son is 10, not his son, sorry, his older brother is 10. And at that age, he was like, oh, man, you know, I want to kill somebody. That's how much anger that little boy had at 10 years old. And then fast forward the tape seven years later, that 17-year-old boy actually murdered someone. Damaging effects. Okay, I'm done calling out people for now. Let's move into debts. We have an education economic debt that America owes us. And when I say that, Let me be clear. In schooling, I mean that there is a schooling obligation owed to American children and youth that needs to be paid to Black male children and youth because y'all didn't get it. At least not equitably every Black boy who enters school. And then in economics, I mean an employment or income obligation to American citizens that needs to be restored to Black men because they were left out. They were excluded. They weren't the only ones, but this episode is going to be mostly about them. Love bugs, let's take a quick break, and I'll be right back to explain what I mean by that ref wealth debt in just a bit. See you soon. Welcome back. So ref wealth debt. I actually speak about ref wealth and then ref wealth debt. It's my own phraseology. Again, ref is an acronym for relational, emotional, and financial. And that's because it is important when you're writing research that you coin terminology 
you know, and this is a little bit of an ego trip. I don't do it for that reason, but I know that's why it exists. Because your paper will stand out more. Because people will use that terminology in their own papers, and that has value for your status and standing in the academy. So, you know, the girl plays the game. Ref wealth. A trust in the relational, emotional, and financial intentions and interactions between Black women and men. This is destroyed. I believe it's salvageable, but it is currently destroyed. And it was destroyed by design and with intention, and we know by who and we know why. We will always address the history when you're talking to me. <laughs> Anything I got to do with, we're going we're gonna to bring that up. But we can't stay there, y'all. We can't stay there. Neither can we do anything about something that had happened, right? So we got to work on ways to undestroy it. Ref wealth debt, which speaks to said destruction. A current rift, and I'm using that language, rift is borrowed from a relationship expert and author. Her last name is Chapman. I believe Tracy Chapman, who says there's this rift between Black women and Black men. And I really like that language, rift. So I borrowed it. A current rift in the relational, emotional, and financial trust caused by racism and other forms of discrimination between Black women and men to be paid to the degree that restores their wholeness. I do believe that's what America owes us. I do push for it in my research. But again, we can't wait for them to write us. We got to do some work. So we need to work on our relations, our emotionality, and our financial trust with each other. This incident causes the most discord among Black women and men. I mean, reading some of the research there, ooh, it is uncomfortable. It's why we cannot see each other as people. We can't give genuine care and grace. And why we fight and love a mean game of gender wars. This is the part I seek to heal the most. This topic deserves its own show, so I'll arrange that for us later. If you recall episode 15, His Dating Pivot, this is exactly what Dana and I were discussing. I know there are historical reasons. And again, I'm going to give you that every day of the week. Yet we can still decide to do better, and we should. I want to read you this quote that I shared with you in special episode number five, Marriage as the Cultural Norm. I'm not going to share all of it, but I am going to share part of it again. Quote, the family is a social institution existing primarily to support intimate, interpersonal relationships, protect the welfare of children, ensure human production, and assimilate its citizens to all other social institutions. While there has been much debate about what is considered a legitimate family form, it is the general consensus that family is the bedrock of society and marriage is the bedrock of family. That has to matter, y'all. And again, that is coming from Marriage in Black. It is documented research in a book by Katrina Bell McDonald and Caitlin Cross Barnett, two Black married women. 
This has to matter. Family has to matter. We cannot just make babies and not care for them. We cannot just send them to school and give them no other teachings, values, traditions, or nurture. And then last but not least, marital and paternal debt. Again, I put those together. Now, I want to call Black men to the front again. The number of Black men who want to marry and who will actually do something about it to the number of Black women who desire marriage is appalling. The gap is so wide. Literature is inundated with so much terminology to describe this. Declines, defers, delays, power plays. What else is there? Um, Gender ratio, sex ratio. I mean, good Lord. We should be embarrassed. First, America is to be shamed and blamed for lowering the pool of marital availability for Black men to such low numbers. But also, we as Black people, we should be embarrassed too, to allow it to remain. Now, can you fight a system alone? No. But can you do everything in your power to not isolate and ice Black women and or not abandon your children? Yes. Yes, Black men, you can. Again, you are owed. You are owed what you are due, and I will fight for that. But you are also responsible. Now, if your question is responsible for what? I want to encourage you to ask a fellow Black man who you respect and who maintained a sense of responsibility in his own life. Now, I'm going to raise my hand for my husband because he shared so much already on this show. So I'm going to give you a few episodes. Episode seven, we are Joyce and Jeremiah. He explains that very well to you. Bonus episode number one or number two, Mr. and Mrs. Myers. He explains it very well again. Also, churchy wedding vows and marital submission episodes. He gives a deeper dive. And if you need a book to read to start, Of Boys and Men by Richard Reeves or Why I Love Black Women by Michael Eric Dyson, and last but certainly not least, The Spirit of a Man by Iyanla Van Zandt. Read one, two, all. Listen, one, two, three, four, all. But the answers are in there. I don't think it's my responsibility to tell Black men what they need to be responsible for, but I have no problem helping to give you the tools and the resources that I believe will answer the question for you. Now, why is this important for us to get right? Two words, intergenerational cycles. I want to read you a quote from my review. While this literature review centers on the education debt owed to Black Americans and explores its impact on their adult lives in economics, marriage, family, and children, this cycle continues to land new generations of Black students in classrooms with certain gaps and disadvantages. Because children later become students, and eventually mature into adulthood, needing their own income, and often creating households and bearing children, the cycle remains. And no matter which phase of Black life is studied, a similar connection between education 
and economics abounds, as well as a connection between economics and marriage. And the cycle just keeps on going and going and going. Are you as old as me? Because I heard the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> and we got to stop this. Like, we have to stop this. It is damaging. It is destructive. It is embarrassing. And some of it is within our power. Earning an education continues to be the gift that keeps on giving. And being undereducated remains a burden that is constantly passed down, especially for Black Americans. So I've mentioned this in other episodes. I believe I zoomed in in special episode number five, Marriage as a Cultural Norm, with the messaging. So just like how we tell our daughters to go to school, get a good job, we need to tell our sons the same thing. Another reaction I had to this paper was a mother who has earned her high school diploma but never attended college, raising a son who was now in high school. Here's what she said. Even in desiring that my son would go to college for the experience and education, it is very difficult to inspire or motivate that aspiration in him while it is so unrelatable in my own life. Do you see? Do you see that? This is an uneducated woman, and I don't use that as a ding. It just is what it is. And she's having trouble inspiring her own son towards that path because she can't relate to it. And she didn't, she shared this with me separately, but it's hard for her son to see that too. So this is what I mean by the intergenerational cycle. Now, I argue for some reform on what getting an education looks like and means in my paper, but make no mistake that in this country, some kind of education, and especially a high school diploma, is required to escape cycles of poverty, economic instability, and the marriage delays and family brokenness born from it. In another episode, we'll also touch on male motivation and aspiration as it shows up in the research literature too, and it's very alarming. We should pay attention. Education to economics. When I say education, yes, I am talking about K-12, primary and secondary school, but I am also referring to it in adulthood. And I mean adult learning, training programs, apprenticeships, internships, college, etc. Anything that teaches education and marketable skills to the degree that one could reasonably gain employment or income. Now, in my lit review, I explored two other successive building blocks, median income earnings, and marriage occurrences among Black men, again, including the impact of educational disadvantage on a broader scale. I also examined the situation between Black men and Black women, considering the historical and contemporary racial inequities that they have endured, and how that has shaped their views and beliefs on education, finances, marriage, and family. Because this is where we are now, y'all. It doesn't take but for a quick scroll on social media, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, whatever, or even listening to certain podcasts to see, oh my gosh, that's what you believe about marriage? That's what you believe about family? That's what you believe about education or finances? Wow. We, wow. 
<laughs> wow. It would not be difficult to just look at that and be like, you know what? This too much, I'm gonna just do me. And a lot of people do. But the individual mindset, this individualistic society is not helping us at all. And in that case, when I say us, I'm not even talking about Black people. I'm talking about Americans. But, you know, especially Black people. So throughout my paper, I posed those debts and capital losses that I mentioned earlier as acts of restoration to dismantle oppressive structures that create and sustain discrimination and racism against us. But again, namely Black boys and men. And that is my position with my researcher hat on, speaking to the academy or people in positions of power to create policy and programming. But my language shifts when I take off my researcher hat, though keeping a researcher lens, to break bread with my own community. And so that's how I'm talking to you today. Marriage. Scholars across disciplines debate on the causes and factors that have led to marriage decline, and more specifically, the Black marriage decline. Both are on a decline, not just Black people. And they do that in two buckets. The one who says it's structural, and the other who says, no, it's cultural. And in special episode number five, Marriage is a Cultural Norm, I spoke from the cultural side, but I actually believe it's both. But again, when I'm speaking to my own community, I am going to lean more on the cultural side because we can impact that area the most. The structural cultural relationship has more than one direction, but it could be argued that at least to some degree, structure influences culture. In other words, because there are structural barriers to education and employment, Culturally, people behave differently and varying attitudes and beliefs begin to emerge in the light of said oppression and disadvantages. And in my work, I identify how that happens with marriage and family. Now, I don't spend too much time arguing one way or the other because either way, the impact is not reduced. One crucial factor linking Black Americans to marriage is income, money, 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 money. And that is not in a gold digging or opportunistic way. Now, do people do that? Absolutely. But the fact that a crucial factor linking Black Americans to marriage is income is not for those reasons. And both Black men and Black women report that that's what they want. That is not coming just from Black women. I want to repeat, that is not coming just from Black women. Black men say the same. <laughs> they say the same. Money matters when it comes to getting married. And I would like a partner who is financially stable. Who doesn't want that? Do not beat up on Black women for wanting that. Everybody wants that. And Black men do too. Now, that link usually has a direct association with education and the social and class ties that tend to pair with it. Now, we're not getting into the social and class ties today, but I just wanted to mention they are included. I have not forgotten. And admittedly, this is not even the whole picture. But, you know, over time, we'll expand it. 
while there are Black Americans with little to no education who are part of the lower class who do marry, marital stress increases. And I care about that too. You know, a financially stable person marrying a broke person or two broke people marrying each other, y'all, y'all. Now listen, I did not tell you to not do it. I'm just saying, it'll be a lot of misalignment. It'll be a lot of fussing and fighting. Marital stress increases. Marital strain increases. And sometimes couples endure or overcome it. But lots of times they don't. It's a huge reason people end up dissolving their marriages or maybe the marriage stays intact, but you've gone your other ways for all intents and purposes. So I, we don't just want to be married. We want to be married with health and wealth and strength. Okay, now I want to stress that I am not suggesting that Black men only need expensive degrees and high tax brackets to be desired for marriage among Black women. And if you're one of those Black women, Lord, I have things to say to you, but this episode would not be the one. But I am saying that they need educational routes, academic, vocational, career, socio-emotional, a whole gamut that would improve or guarantee their personal and financial lifestyles to the degree that marriage is attractive for the men who value it as an adult milestone. Do not come for me if you don't want marriage. I'm not even talking to you. Just leave me alone. Thank you. But I like this word guarantee. When I first started writing, I had the mindset of improve. But there were a few scholars who were like, no, America need to do a little bit more. They need to guarantee this. And they were not talking just about black men. They were talking about all kids who gonna come out of that education system called K-12 public school and have that diploma and go into adulthood and into the workforce. Now, some had an extra paragraph stating on why that was more due to Black boys and men or what it should look like uniquely, specifically for Black boys and Black men. But these people out here saying America needs to guarantee things. And you know what? Other countries do for their citizens, for their students, for their children. So I wasn't mad at the language. Now, provision. I said those three Ps, provision, pride, and presence. We're going to hit on provision and we out of here. For now, it does not matter to me if you view men as providers, head of households, or adults who need to make regular and consistent financial contributions for their families and households. We can argue and duke that out later. What we first need to do is understand that they need to earn and they need to earn enough. How much is enough? It could be relative, but I would say at least above the poverty line and what I like to call a family supporting wage. So enough money to be able to take care of yourself and your responsibilities while maintaining personal well-being. For Black women, especially my Black Christian women, try to view this at the societal level or even at the communal level. There's so much research that says y'all care so much about Black family and community. So I need you to really care about it here. I want you to try and view this at the societal or the communal level before, not without, before you insert your religion. 
it would be helpful if we can agree that black men earning enough money to take care of themselves and any family that they would want to support is a societal or communal good. Actually, it's both a societal and a communal good. It would also be helpful if we could agree that before you insist on male leadership and headship or some other Christian marital hierarchy, men need to be earners. Let's just do that first. Once we got that together, I'm willing to put that in whatever bucket you want to and help you determine what that should look like for you in said bucket. If you cannot do that, I guess that'll be your business, but it just would be so helpful if you could. Now, research reports an increase across a lifetime for students who earn high school diplomas. With $265,700 gained per new Black male high school graduate. That's what I need to graduate high school. So Black parents, come to the front, come to the front. Make sure your children graduate from high school and certainly make sure that your Black son does. Now, one reaction that I received from this research project was a situation where a neighbor, a black male high school student at the time, dropped out of high school to care for his mother. Noble act indeed. But 20 years later, that now grown man has never recovered. Approaching and mending these ills in our community is a group project. I repeat, this is a group project. We have this thing where children are waiting on parents, as they should. Men are waiting on women, and women are waiting on men. And that's just too much passivity for active change. Plus, I would also argue, men, if you want to be seen as leaders, you might want to start the charge first. Okay, I digress. One of the reasons a solid social standing is imperative for Black men is because it has the power to improve their marriage ability, which Black women, you want. So, you know, join the ranks here, which increases the likelihood that their children will be born into parent households or other household structures rooted in West African practices that remain visible in African-American culture that offer similar stability. And when I say similar stability, I mean the increasing of positive educational and economic outcomes for a younger generation. Now I am pro-marriage and I am pro-family, but I do not limit that to the traditional American form. So I do make space for variety there. I've had the pleasure of meeting an unmarried Caribbean couple who has more security, love, trust, and commitment than I've seen in even some American marriages. They live a wonderful life, a wonderful and secure life. They cover each other well, and they have raised their child together who is functioning and a contributing member to society. For me, this is good in that it promotes the strength, the health, and the quality of their family and the child that they brought into the world. Another comment I received from this paper was a story about a woman and a man who are romantically involved living together and raising their two children together. They are unmarried, but function as one household and a family and their children reap those benefits. So again, I do make space for other household structures, provided there is that financial and emotional advantage for that family and their community. 
Black mothers, I'm calling you to the front again. Black female-headed households are one of the most impoverished groups in the country. Studies show that Black children who live only with their mothers generally fare less well on several social markers than those who belong to two-parent households. And I'm also going to insert and in other household structures that offer similar stability. Now, there was this team of researchers. They used existing data on education, and they studied high school sophomores via random selection. That's important because that type of uh, results is going to be stronger because the selection was random. And it concluded that male students in single-parent households had worse outcomes than their female counterparts. If we care about equity, we must understand and do something about the fact that in this regard, boys are more needy. Yeah, boys and men, I know you don't like hearing that, but it's true. Listen, I don't even think women like hearing it, but it's true. They need more attention here. And because of that, they should get it. Sometimes we over-identify with leadership and manhood in our community so much that we do not see males and or men as people who need help. Well, sometimes because they don't ask for it, but still, and that's not serving us, y'all. It's not serving us at all. Mothers are too busy trying to save them, not help them, and that's a mess. Fathers are too busy trying to toughen them or prove something about their manhood, not helping them, and that's a mess too. Boys need more stability, structure, and access to both parents at the same time than girls do, and that's okay. One scholar describes that boys and men in general need more support, but that black boys and men are at a quote unquote double disadvantage. This does not mean that girls do not benefit from this. Of course they do. Or that we shouldn't show up for them. But that is just not that, that much of a need, not as much as boys. Any black woman who is a firstborn daughter knows all too well the damage of feeling almost discarded just because we can take more or handle it better. So I urge all Black parents to not place more on your daughters just because you can. If you're not familiar with the orchid daffodil analogy, I encourage you to Google it. Okay, if you're a single mother to a Black son who is in eighth, ninth, 10th, or 11th grade, and you want to discuss or create a launching plan for him, please email me at hello at matchmarymate.com. I'm ready to offer you a sizable discount rate to meet with me about it. I'd rather you ask for help than let your male teen wander or be idle. I know how to navigate the educational system, high school, college, vocation, well. Please ask for help and do the work if you need it. Young Black women, and in this case, I mean, if you are between 15 and 30, I realize a 15-year-old isn't quite a woman, but work with me here. Research confirms young Black women who form single-parent households generally come from poor households and often lack the human capital to generate higher earnings since having a child may disrupt educational or job experiences. Could you beat these odds? Yes. Do I know people who have beat these odds? Yes, but I still want you to be careful because bearing children leads to some loss or gap in your financial standing or strength, especially if you don't already have it stored and saved up. 
And when you have no other source to rely on but you, it gets dicey. Be mindful about your sexual activity and pregnancy decisions. And know that they have the power to decrease your earnings and then less is available for you and or your children. If you are a single black woman, and in this case, I'm saying ages 15 to 24, and you need help or have questions about how to navigate dating or just interacting with men, I am extending the same offer to you. I will offer you a sizable discount rate. I am even willing to give scholarship rates for certain situations. Please ask for support from older women, including me. I cannot believe I am the older woman in this scenario, but I am. When older people are asked about the days of their youth, discussing a major regret, the decision that was made almost always occurs between ages 18 and 21. I'll let you ponder why. And it usually stems from younger people either not asking or they did not listen. And I don't want that to be you. So if you can't talk to your mama and your auntie and your granny and them, fine. Please email me. Hello at matchmarymate.com. The causes and consequences of educational injustices are not felt only by Black men but also Black women and children in terms of their availability for marriage because it creates conflicting and resistant beliefs on marriage and hybrid views of masculinity. Ooh, we'll talk about that later. And paternal absenteeism. So I want to share this quote with you by Melissa Kearney. She says, the U.S. needs to raise boys who are fit to be reliable for marriage partners and nurturing, supporting fathers. Okay, now, I agree with that. And then my response is the question, and that is, how can black boys mature into black men who can make this ascent from generation to generation with the racism that disenfranchises them? Now that's, that's how I would speak if I was talking to the academy and the powers that be. Even though taking the financial and safety responsibility of a family has been an established marital prerequisite for American husbands, Black men have been denied the means to do so across classes. And it explains why they have challenges. Again, we'll get into classes later because there's a unique class that operates a little bit differently. And we got to call them out too. Now, it is also true that explaining your trauma helps people to understand you more, but it does not excuse you from your work that you need to do. I spend countless hours reading research about loving and lasting Black marriages, and especially enjoy reading participant responses, relishing in all the ways that Black husbands and wives care, support, and love each other. So I want to close this show by giving all the long and strong Black marriages a special shout out and all my love. You show us how it is done and that it can be done. All right now, that's it and that's all. We end every episode with thoughts or heart-provoking questions for your journal. Journaling is simply prayers on paper and the most high tends to those too. Dear listener, 
How can you be an active participant in healing and advancing your own family and community? How can you be gracious and kind, but also discerning and cunning? What kinds of decisions can you make in your own life to avoid pitfalls that weaken yourself, your family, or your community? How do you think intact families and or marriages benefit your community? It's okay to write about the blessings and the burdens. Pour it out into your journal today. Release yourself, free yourself, and most of all, be yourself. P.S. No woman is better at being you than you. If you're interested in my research interests or projects or want me to speak about it or my dating and relationship coaching practice at your next event, you can reach me at hello at matchmarymate.com. And do not forget to download your episode 16 guide. If you're already on the Match Mary Mate subs list, it's in your inbox. To join, click the link in the show notes. Our next episode is titled Her Dating Dry Spell, where one of my favorite therapists discusses some dating nuances as she faced weeks of little possibilities. If you want to share some topics you'd like to hear on the show, I'd love to hear them. Please shoot me an email at podcast at matchmarymate.com. For now, I leave you with this quote. It's modified just a little bit to make it readable from one of my favorite scholars. It is important to have strong and healthy Black family formation. And it is necessary for building and empowering Black communities. Thank you for joining me today and tuning into another episode of the Match Mary Mate Show. Until our next time together, love, light, and relationship. Remember, we grow as we go, and I'll be with you in the next episode. Cheers. Cheers.